Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. everyone and welcome to episode 341 of the professional book nerds podcast presented by overdrive this is jill hello adam how's it going good how are you it's almost june it is at time of recording i'm getting ready to go to book expo and book con and my head is swimming with all the prep and i'm tired a lot of prep i'm already tired and my alarm is set for 3 a.m tomorrow morning ew i know (laughs) Well, so our flight leaves at like 6.15 in the morning, but Ew. I just got a message from our people who flew, who flew in yesterday and today, and they're like, hey, just a heads up, uh, it was really bad at the airport, so get there early. And I'm like, how early is early? I'm already, leave. We, we board at like 5.45 anyway. It's going to be a long day, but yeah. that's okay. Um, we're talking June books. We are. But can I do a quick plug for BEA? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So if you are going to be at BEA, along with visiting Adam, you should also check out the Skyhorse booth, uh, booth number 1828-1828, and you can pick up an advanced copy of my book, Reading Behind Bars. I'm so proud of you. You're doing it. I am. You're promoting yourself like you're supposed to. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you can go back and listen to, I don't remember what episode number it was, where I talk about my book. I want to say 339-ish, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. I have no idea. It's the one where Jill talks about prison books. There you go. The prison books one you can talk about in my... Yeah, so Booth, 1828. So proud of you. Mallory would be so proud (laughs) of you. Mallory would be very proud of me. (laughs) Um, Yes, do that. And then once you go get a copy of Jill's book, come and find me at the Overdrive booth at BEA, and then I'll take pictures of you with Jill's book, and then I'll send them to Jill. That'll make her happy. Yeah, well, that'd be great. (laughs) Okay, so... Uh, once a month, if you're new to the podcast, we do a roundup of the books that are coming out the the following month that we are excited about, kind of give you a preview of what is to come. Uh, we go back and forth. We don't tell each other what books are on our list. Sometimes we have matching ones, but we're usually pretty good. Uh, slightly different situation this month because Joe wasn't supposed to be here this week. You're supposed to get your wisdom teeth I was out? supposed to get my wisdom teeth taken out. But they But there was a family emergency, so they had to reschedule. Yeah. So I'm getting them taken out next week. Yeah. So we get to do this together, but because of it, I, I made a list of like 20 books because I was like, oh, let's do it for both of us. So we'll probably have some. I think I specifically picked some that were like Jill books. But I I'll, feel like there are two that I'm pretty sure you probably are slow picked. So probably. It's, it's no, it's fine. Um, yeah. So if you have thoughts on these or if you want more book recommendations, you can always email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Visit our website, professionalbooknerds.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds. So with all of that being said, let's start talking about books. And I will let you start. Sure. So my first book is also going to be Monday's author interview. And that is Mrs. Everything by Jennifer Weiner. Woo! Got to interview her. It's fantastic. I've talked a ton about Mrs. Everything. Um, 
over the past few months since I got it at midwinter. So I don't want to talk too much about it. But it is about two sisters growing up. Um, it, it covers several decades of their lives and sort of the different uh, trajectories their lives take. Um, it's really good. It's really wonderful. I compared it to the movie Beaches, but with mm-hmm. like mothers and daughters and sisters, and it's great. Uh, so that is Mrs. Everything. And then on Monday, you can hear my interview with Jennifer. Uh, my first one is The Most Fun We Ever Had by Claire Lombardo. should tell you guys, all of these are going to be in our show notes and also on our website. There's going to be a whole collection here, so you don't have to write these down, just as a reminder. So my first one is The Most Fun We Ever Had by Claire Lombardo. Um, this, the description of this book, is reminding me a lot of A Place for Us by Fatima Farin Mirza, which was my favorite book last year. Uh, so there's the, there's this married couple in Chicago, Marilyn and David. They fall in love in the 70s, and uh, in 2016, they have four radically different daughters in four different states of their lives. Uh, one of them is a young widow who has troubles with booze and young men. One of them is a litigator turned stay-at-home mom who battles anxiety. Uh, one of them is a neurotic, newly tenured professor, and then another one finds herself uh, as the youngest daughter, she is like living a lie and, and no one in her family even knows about. And it just, this novel apparently, it's just this big, long, sleeping family story that goes over several generations. And I'm very into books like that. So um, if you like some family drama, it sounds like the most fun we ever had is going to be good for you. My next one is Recursion by Blake Crouch. I also got to interview Blake um, at ALA Midwinter, so this that will be coming up in a couple weeks. So I loved his book, Dark Matter, um, and Recursion is all about memory and sort of um, asking, you know, like, how are memory and reality related? Um, so it takes place in New York City, and a cop, uh, Barry, is um, investigating a phenomenon that the media has dubbed false memory syndrome, where people are driven mad basically by memories of lives they have never lived um and then we have a woman a neuroscientist helena who is sort of studying memory and and finding out um ways to basically like the science of memory and and how our brains works it's it's fascinating it's so good um if you liked dark matter you absolutely love because it plays somewhat um on somewhat similar themes of dark matter does the mandela effect come in mm-hmm. to the story yeah bit? and we he and i talk about that in our interview okay i won't talk so i the only reason i ask is uh our good friend krista christina who is on quite often when one of us is not in the office which is usually, yes, that's at this usually point. yeah uh we happen to be having a cookout this weekend and we had like a three-hour conversation about the mandela effect and they're just like it's small world it's it yeah it, it's it's a little bit like that and then um Yes. So, <laughs> I was just curious. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah I, no, he and I talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my next one is Aisha at Last by Uzma Jalaluddin. Is this one on <laughs> yours? It's on my list. Yeah. Okay. So there's no way you could have known I was going to put this on because normally this goes <laughs> against everything I believe in, but this one sounds really interesting. It's a modern day Muslim pride and prejudice for a new generation of love. I normally don't like Pride and Prejudice or Jane Austen style books, but this one sounds really good. Uh, so there is Aisha. She has a lot going on. She has dreams of being a poet, and uh, those dreams have to be set aside so she can find a teaching job, so she can pay off her debts to her wealthy uncle. 
Uh, she lives with her boisterous Muslim family and is always being reminded that her flirty younger cousin Hafsa is close to rejecting her for, or is close to rejecting her 100th marriage proposal. It's a lot of marriage proposals. It is a lot of marriage proposals. Uh, Aisha is lonely, but she doesn't want an arranged marriage. And then she meets Khalid, who is smart and handsome, but he's also conservative and judgmental. So that would be the Mr. Darcy. Is that how that works, right? Probably. Okay. Yeah. Just that's what I thought. Um, she's irritatingly attracted to someone who looks down on her choices and the way that she dresses and uh, and all this different stuff. But then there's a surprise engagement between Khalid and Hafsa and Aisha is torn between how she feels about Khalid and also the unsettling gossip she hears about her family. So this is a version of Pride and Prejudice I can get behind. Uh, so that's Aisha at Last by Uzma Jalaluddin. So my next one is Evie Drake Starts Over by Linda Holmes. So Linda Holmes is the uh, host of NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast. She's also delightful to follow on Twitter if you are not already. (laughs) Um, So in a sleepy seaside town in Maine, recently widowed Evie Drake rarely leaves her large, painfully empty house nearly a year after her husband's death in a car crash. Everyone in town, even her best friend Andy, thinks grief keeps her locked inside and Evie doesn't correct them. Meanwhile, in New York City, Dean Tenney, a former Major League pitcher and Andy's childhood best friend, is wrestling with what miserable athletes living out their worst nightmares call the yips. He can't throw straight anymore, and even worse, he can't figure out why. As the media storm heats up, an invitation from Andy to stay in Maine seems like the perfect chance to hit the reset button on Dean's future. When he moves into an apartment at the back of Evie's house, the two make a deal. Dean won't ask about Evie's late husband, and Evie won't ask about Dean's baseball career. Rules, though, have a funny way of being broken, and what starts as an unexpected friendship soon turns into something more. To move forward, Evie and Dean will have to reckon with their pasts, their friend, the friendships they've damaged, the secrets they've kept, but in life, as in baseball, there's always a chance up until the last out. That was on my list, too. It sounds but, delightful. Yeah. I, want, I think this one might be on your list, but um, Mostly Dead Things by Kristen Arnett. No. All right. Uh, okay, so it's described as one of the strangest and funniest and most surprising first novels I've ever read by Karen Russell, which is very funny. Um, so one morning, Jessalyn Morton walks into the family taxidermy shop that her family has to find that her father has committed suicide right there on the metal tables. Shocked and grieving, Jessa steps up to manage the failing business while the rest of the Morton family crumbles. Her mother starts sneaking into the shop to make aggressively lewd art with the taxidermied animals. Her brother Milo withdraws, struggling to function, and Bryn, Milo's wife and the only other person Jess has ever been in love with, walks out without a word. As Jess seeks out less than legal ways of generating income, her mother's art escalates. Uh, Picture a figure of her dead husband and a stuffed buffalo in an uncomfortably sexual pose, and the Mortons reach a tipping point. For the first time, Jessa has no chance, but uh, has no choice but to learn who these people truly are, and how ultimately she fits alongside them. Just sounds like the most uh, you know keeping with family drama. This one feels wildly different than the first two family dramas that I talked about. Mm. So that's mostly dead things by Kristen Arnett. I have Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey. Yeah, I knew we were both going to have this one. Go that ahead. was one of the ones I was figured. Okay, so um, this is. I'm just going to read the description. So when a gruesome murder is discovered at the Osthorn Academy of Young Mages, where her estranged twin sister teaches theoretical magic, reluctant detective Ivy Gamble is pulled into the world of untold power and dangerous secrets. She will have to find a murderer and reclaim her sister without losing herself. I'm sold on pretty much all of this. I know, yeah. Also, this is speaking, and we mentioned Mallory earlier, and I feel like every other episode we have to mention Mallory. She, like, did a fun 
uh, Twitter like video because I guess she's friends with Sarah. That's why the cover looked familiar, probably. Yeah, me too. When I saw it, I was like, "Where did I know this from?" Uh, and that's where we knew it from. Okay, um, my next one is Natalie Tan's Book of Luck and Fortune by Rosaline Lim. Uh, at the news of her mother's death, Natalie Tan returns home. The two women hadn't really spoken in like a decade, but her mother, uh, when her mother refused to support her chosen career as a chef, Natalie is shocked to discover the vibrant neighborhood of San Francisco's Chinatown that she remembers from her childhood is fading with uh, businesses falling and families moving out. Uh, she's even more surprised to learn that she's inherited inherited her grandmother's restaurant. Uh, the neighborhood seer reads the restaurant's fortune in the leaves, and Natalie finds out that she must cook three recipes from her grandmother's cookbook to aid the struggling neighbors before the restaurant will succeed. Uh, it just sounds really, really interesting, and also it mentions the fact that there are a bunch of delicious recipes all throughout this fictional fantasy novel, and I am a nice. big fan when books have recipes in them. For so, sure. That's Natalie Tan's Book of Luck and Fortune. My next one is The Grand Dark by Richard Cadbury. No? Nope, okay. you're good. So, um, this is from the best-selling author of the Sandman Slim series. It is a standalone fantasy. It is a subversive tale that immerses us in a world where the extremes of bleakness and beauty exist together in dangerous harmony over uh, in a city on the edge of civility and chaos. Okay, well, I'm already sold on this one. <laughs> so the Great War is over. The city of Lower Praswa celebrates the peace with a decadence and carefree spirit as intense as the war's horrifying despair. But this newfound hedonism, drugs and sex and endless parties, distracts from strange realities of everyday life. The intelligent Atama... Autom- oh my god. Wow, I don't know what <laughs> that was. The intelligent robots, basically, taking jobs. <laughs> I don't know what word is there, but I cannot read today. Genetically engineered creatures that serve as pests and beasts of war, a theater where gruesome murders happen twice a day, and a new plague that even the ceaseless euphoria can't mask. Unlike others who live strictly for fun, Largo is an addict with ambitions, a bike messenger who grew up in the slums. He knows the city's streets and its secrets. Uh, his life seems set. He has a beautiful girlfriend, drugs, a chance at a promotion, and maybe an opportunity for complete transformation, a contact among the elite who will set him on the course to lift himself up out of the streets. But dreams can be a dangerous thing in a city whose mood is turning dark and inward. Others have a vision of life very different from Largo's, and they will use any methods to secure control. And behind it all, beyond the frivolity and chaos, the threat of new war always looms. I can't talk today, but it sounds really good. (laughs) It's the grand dark. It does sound really good. Uh, My next one is The Girl in Red by Christina Henry. Do you have this too? I do. We could both talk about it. Um, Because I don't really have too much to say because it's pretty straightforward. It's a post-apocalyptic take on Little Red Riding Hood. So you would probably actually... I read her first book, Alice, uh-huh. which is sort of a dark version of Alice in Wonderland. I can't believe... I saw that she had written that, and I can't believe I haven't read it yet. It's really good. Um, so I'm really, really excited for The Girl in Red. Not to mention, the cover is so cool. It's a very ominous-looking wolf. Some probably assume he is both big and bad. Um, and then on the back of him, he has, like, trees that are a forest, and he has these bright red eyes, and the girl in red is walking kind of along his back with a hatchet type of an axe with a, a red hoodie on, and it just seems really good. I, 
who at any time it's such a ridiculous idea like i should really just think of one of these fairy tales to just turn into a modern day because anytime i see modern day or post-apocalyptic version of a fairy tale i'm like what a genius idea that person's the smartest person ever i mm-hmm. want to do that so uh yeah that's the girl in red by christina henry and it sounds like we're both going to be reading that one yep for sure okay my next one is the her daughter's mother by daniela petrava I was telling my husband uh, over the weekend, I was like, so there seems to be a new thing where for a while domestic thrillers were about couples, and now domestic thrillers seem to be about mothers and children, (laughs) Uh and so this sort of falls under that. So, Lena Stone has never considered herself a stalker until the night she impulsively follows a familiar face through the eyes of New York's Upper West Side. Her target, the anonymous egg donor she's selected through the agency, the one who's making motherhood possible for her. Hungry to learn more about her, uh, Lena plans only to watch her from a distance, but when circumstances bring them face-to-face, an unexpected friendship is born. Katya, a student at Columbia, is the yin to Lana's uh, yang, an impulsive free spirit who lives life at the edge, and for pragmatic Lana, she's a breath of fresh air and a welcome distraction from her painful breakup with her baby's father. Then, just as suddenly as Katya entered Lana's life, she disappears, and Lana might have been the last person this year before she went missing. Determined to find out what became of the woman who, whom she owes so much, she begins to dig into Katya's past, even as the police grow suspicious of her motives. But she's unprepared for the secrets she unearths and their power to change everything she thought she knew about those she loves best. That sounds so good. Right? That sounds really, really good. Um, hey, remember how I was just talking about, like, a reimagined fairy tale? I have another reimagined fairy tale. <laughs> the Evil Queen by Gina Showalter. Uh, this is the beginning of a new series called The Forest of Good and Evil, and oh my goodness, is this a really cool uh, take on a bunch of stories that we know. So far, far away in the realm of Enchantia, good start, uh, creatures of legend still exist. Magic is the norm and fairy tales are real, except fairy tales aren't based on myths and legends of the past. They are prophecies of the future. So raised in the mortal realm... Everly Morrow has no idea that she's a real-life fairy tale princess until it manifests an ability to commune with mirrors. What she sees when she looks is the horrifying truth that she's fated to be Snow White's greatest enemy, the Evil Queen. So this woman realizes that she's going to become an Evil Queen, and she's going to have powers beyond her imagination or control. She returns back to her own, like where she's from, and she's like, no, I'm not going to do this, I don't want to do this, but she meets what's supposed to be her Prince Charming, their attraction's undeniable. Their relationship is doomed. As the prophecy unfolds, Everly faces one betrayal after another, slowly becoming uh, the evil witch. So I am so into, like, someone knowing that they're going to become an evil person yeah. and being like, I'm not going to do that. And then, like, slowly but surely, they kind of do yeah. do that. So that is The Evil Queen by Gina Showalter. So I just realized I only have one left, but you have a bunch, so... Oh, that's okay. We can need you okay. one more than we get. So my last one is the Van Apfel Girls Are Gone by Felicity McLean. Tika Malley was 11 and 16 years old during the long, hot Australian summer of 1992. The TV news in the background chatted with debate about the exoneration of Lindy Chamberlain. The summer That summer was when the Van Apfel sisters, Ruth, Hannah, and the beautiful Cordelia, mysteriously disappeared. Did they just run far away from their harsh evangelical parents, or were they taken... While the search for the girls united the small community, the mystery of their disappearance was never solved, and Tika and her older sister Laura have been haunted ever since by the loss of their friendship and playmates. Now, years later, Tika has returned home to try to make sense of that strange moment in time. That sounds so good, too. Right? A lot of good books this month. 
Uh, all right, last one I'll talk about is called The Last Pirate of New York by Rich Cohen. This is nonfiction, and it's true crime, which is why I waited to the end, because I kind of assumed you would have this one. Um, so people often call Albert Hicks either New York's last pirate or its first gangster. So he's handsome, he's charismatic, uh, he's long been known in the dive bars and gin joints of the Five Points, and for years he operated out of the public eye, rambling from crime to crime, working on uh, the water in ships, sleeping in nickel-a-night flops, drinking in bar rooms uh, where rat-baiting and bear-baiting were or entertainments. Uh, his criminal career reached its peak in 1860 when he was hired under an alias as a hand on an oyster sloop. His plan was to rob the ship and flee, disappearing into the teeming streets of lower Manhattan as he'd done so many times before. But the plan went awry, and the ship was found listing and unmanned in the foggy straits of Coney Island. Uh, long fascinated by gangster legends, Rich Cohen tells the story of this notorious underworld figure from his humble origins to the wild globe-crossing Bacchanalian crime spree that forged his, ruthless, his ruthlessness and his reputation. Uh, so, yeah, it's I had no idea who Albert Hicks was, but I'm excited to learn more about him. So that's The Last Pirate of New York. Um, so that's a bunch of books. Again, if you go to our website, professionalbooknews.com, you'll see a collection featuring those books. And as we mentioned, if you're going to be in New York City at Book Expo or BookCon, first go to the Skyhorse uh, booth. What number was that? That's an excellent question because I just deleted it, but let me find that's it again. That's okay. Uh, so go to the Skyhorse booth and get a advanced reader copy of Jill's book. And also come see... 1828! It's in booth 1828. Uh, and then come see me in the Overdrive booth. You can't miss it. It's giant. And then the Libby booth during the weekend. I don't know what the numbers for either of those are, but you'll find us. And if you're a librarian, you're going to be at American Library Association's annual conference in Washington, D.C. at the end of June. I think both of us are going to be there. So come see us there as well. A lot of places to see us. And after that, I'm done traveling. <laughs> I'm going anywhere. Um, okay. Anything else? No, I think that's everything. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hi there. I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one -on -one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no.